say good afternoon and welcome to this episode of Event Well Cast. Um, I'm joined by our amazing chair, Mark May, is with us this afternoon, and also the lovely Bernadette Palambo from the Event Professionals Journal. How are you doing, B? I've not seen you for a while. I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, keeping keeping busy. Things are now um, moving a lot faster than they were when we last spoke, um, but still enjoying working from home and, and still being able to have that free time to catch up with people. But yeah, everything's, everything's really good, thank you. Excellent. How about you, Mark? How's everything going? Yeah, really good. Um, still kind of adjusting to the new normal um, and whilst preparing for uh, whatever's to come in terms of you know lockdown being eased and life going back to what we used to know as normal. So, um, but yeah, no, really good. Feeling healthy. It's been lots of sun, so I've got a bit of a tan, which is always good. Yeah, a bit of vitamin D. You can't knock the importance of vitamin D. No, we should can't. talk about that on one of these podcasts. We should do. We should do. We should add it to the agenda, I think, because it's something that's not talked about often enough, mm. if at all, actually. Indeed. I haven't heard it in any sort of mainstream media. Yeah. Um, mentioned at all um given the amount of sun that we've had on i find that quite surprising and there's there's loads of interesting data about how it's um potentially linked to you know a, like you said being deficient in vitamin d is a huge risk factor for how severely um covid affects people and the mm. the data in new york was like 96 percent of people that died from covid in new york were deficient in vitamin d um, and there's you know similar data in other areas and stuff but, you know, there's not really enough it's not getting the attention it deserves really um, no. and we're all being told to sort of stay locked up in our houses and, and, and be in quarantine you know which you can understand but mm. we don't mm. want to do that at the expense of our immune system um, and it seems like vitamin D is playing quite an important role in this particular health crisis so um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, one that we'll definitely we'll definitely tag on to um, our list of topics that will come up for future. Um, but today we're going to actually going to talk about sleep. Yes. Aren't we? I don't know how I don't know how you guys are finding it, but one of the things I've found in lockdown is um, that my sleep pattern has gone a bit skew whip. <laughs> if I'm honest, whereas before I, I probably was trying to go to bed at the same time probably about 11 o'clock making sure I was going to bed before midnight all of those things that we talk about well I've actually found that I'm struggling to maintain that now I've kind of got myself in a bit of a bad habit of going to bed at half past 12 and then lying in a bit later than I did and I know there's other people that I've, I've talked to who are, have found themselves in a very similar pattern obviously because we're, we, we haven't got a commute haven't got to get up to travel to work we're in our houses it's easier for you to slip into bad habits how, how have you guys found it I think you know um I I've actually quite enjoyed knowing that I don't have to necessarily wake up to an alarm every day um I've tried to and I have to be honest kept kind of the similar routine but I think it's it's actually quite nice to be able to lie in. <laughs> and I know like from a professional point of view with sleep, it's you know, you should very much have like good sleep hygiene and keep to the same routine with it. But um 
I always get as much sleep as I possibly can. I've got um, CFS, which is chronic fatigue syndrome, um, used to be known as ME. Um, so, I mean, for me, no matter how much sleep I get, I, I'm always tired. I can sleep solid for 14 hours. So for me, it's actually been really nice <laughs> to be able to, to sleep loads. Um, but some nights don't sleep well at all. The mind's still ticking away. And other nights I sleep really well. So it's, it is up and down and I'm expecting that's because of the, the situation we're in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you know what? Don't, I wouldn't be too hard on yourselves, guys, because I think it's a pretty common thread that sleep's been disrupted um, in most people. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know why. Um, I've certainly started going to bed later uh, and getting up a bit later as well. Um, despite what I know about the value of sleep and all of that sort of inbuilt resistance that I have to developing bad sleep habits, I've still kind of got into a little bit of a, a subpar routine, if you like. So um, I don't actually, you know, I, I haven't really got any answers as to why that might be. I mean, I've got some thoughts about it. But, um, mm. I think it's a good idea to talk about um some of the benefits of sleep today and perhaps on why it's a good idea to check yourself a little bit. It's not, you know, doing things unhealthily or wrong to, you know, in quotation marks, it's it's not the end of the world. All all we need to do is recognize that. Recognize it's happening. Yeah. Not ideal. Mm. Um, And, you know, what can we do to kind of, to manage that? But, it's when when we're confused about what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do is where the problems can sometimes come. So, um, yeah, yeah. So you know, maybe we can touch on one of the, one of the things you mentioned about going to bed earlier, which is uh, sorry later, which is quite important. Is one of the things we do. So research shows that we reduce, reproduce more growth hormone. And growth hormone is the, the youth hormone as well, as well as like kids have lots of growth hormone because it helps us grow and rejuvenate and repair tissues quicker and stuff like that. It's also known as the youth, youth hormone for that reason because it you know, helps us have nice skin and healthy bones and, and strong cells and all of that kind of thing. And we produce way more of it between the hours of 10 and midnight. But if we're not asleep, we don't get that benefit. So, you know, missing out on those early hours of sleep, the, you know, the hours before the turn of midnight, Lots of research has shown that, that, that we're missing out on that. Um, so that's one like key fundamental reason why it's like going to bed early is not, you know, there, there, there's real tangible reasons why it's a good, why it's a good idea. Mm. The term beauty sleep is... Is that why I'm so ah. short, Mark? <laughs> I so, haven't had my growth hormones. <laughs> is that why? <laughs> I just won't grow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go I'll blame my parents for not putting me to bed early enough <laughs> I'm with you on that B I think I'll be having words as well <laughs> I don't think short people were sleep deprived as children but, you know. <laughs> perhaps we should look that up perhaps we should yeah. do some research on that and find I'll out if there's a yeah. link <laughs> sleep habits you know they're they're so important i think 
as human beings generally, we underestimate the importance of sleep, but more so in our industry. Um, we obviously, you know, during normal times, the event industry is turbulent. You know, we've got unpredictable schedules. We're one minute we're up at two in the morning de-rigging an event. We might be we might be setting up for an event at two in the morning. That's how yeah. you know, random and um, unpredictable it is. And then the next minute we're up early. And in the next minute we've got nothing that intense on our plate and we might have a week of you know nine to five. So developing healthy habits around sleep is really challenging in that industry. Mm. Um, and you know recognizing those challenges is one thing, but you've got to obviously realize that during those downtimes, it's really important to try and build healthy sleep habits because when you go through a, a period of like managing, where it's managing a really intense event and you know, your, your hours are, are all over the place, when you revert back to what's normal and what's a bit more slow paced and you're at a pace that you can kind of manage, you revert back to whatever habits you've developed in the quiet times. And, and if you haven't, developed healthy habits around sleep hygiene, then it, it just creates more confusion and more turbulence. It's really hard to get handled. So mm. you know, it's, it's a little bit ironic that at a time where we've got lots of time on our hands um, and you know we've probably got a better opportunity than ever to develop healthy habits around sleep, it seems to be slipping a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of that's probably around accountability, like you mentioned about getting up for work and stuff like that. And, um, and those extrinsic pressures of like your boss looking at his watch when you turn up for work or whatever it is that gets you out of bed in the morning and puts a bit of pressure on you. That's kind of, we haven't got that. So, you know, that, that has a knock-on effect to what time we go to bed and stuff. And I think if we can do a little bit of research around, you know, why the health reasons about why we go to sleep early, you know, why, why it's important to get good sleep, it might help us to, you know, motivate us to put those habits in place a little bit better. Yeah. Definitely. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. I, I find though that because obviously um, I'm a mum, I have a little one. Um, so the evenings for me are actually probably the only times where I get some time to myself to be able to do stuff for myself. And my, my hubby really annoyingly, so my other half, is still going to bed at 10 o'clock and he's asleep by half past 10 and has still kept his sleep habits quite strict to what it is before. And he's still in the same, the same pattern as he was before. Um, so he'll sometimes go to bed at 10 and then it's like, Oh, I've really got some time on my own now. And I think that's what <laughs> I can watch something on TV. I can read a book. I think you've really got your own time. And it's, it's kind of, I think that's what I'm struggling with is because there's the three of us all together in the house it really is it's trying to find that you time where really is it is you on your own you can do what you want to do that choice and i'm fine i'm finding that really difficult because i know i should be going to bed i know what i should be doing and i think that's part of the the thing isn't it that we all know we should be sleeping for mm. the six to eight hours Night. we all know that we should have healthy bedtime habits we all know that we shouldn't be using our devices in our bedrooms but we're pretty much all starting to learn that aren't we but yeah. it's it can be tough to <laughs> to change those bad habits and do something helen do you know if you <laughs> say you went to bed at half nine imagine having 
half an hour in the bed all on your own to just spread out, enjoy the bed to yourself and get to sleep before your hobby. Yeah, well, the past two nights, actually, I've ended up sleeping in with, with Lily. Oh, I've been in her room much. sleeping with her because she's got upset. And oh. I've been that tired, you know, and you can't be, oh, I really can't be bothered picking you up and carrying you to our room. So I'm just going to get in bed with you. Yeah. So Ben's loved it because he's had the whole bed to himself kind of stuff. <laughs> and he's looked on his Garmin and it's told him that he's, he's had the best night's sleep he's had in a while. <laughs> So he's, he's already turned around and said, if, if you want to go and sleep, you can sleep in there every night if you want to. It's fine. I, I haven't got an issue with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going, going back to what Mark was just saying, there was a survey and it found that um, when we're at an event, um, like you said, Mark, you can be de-rigging or setting up an event at 2am in the morning. And on average, we only get between three to four hours sleep a night while we're at an event, which is just is not sustainable. So. Yeah. Going back to what Mark said, I think it is really important that those um, habits and your sleep hygiene is is uh, is strong, so that after that event is over, you can kind of restore restore yourself and and not struggle to then go get a good night's sleep and and you know risk ruining your sleep quality. Yeah, and it, the other thing is, it's not just about the, the our sleep being affected. Our sleep being effective has a knock-on effect to other things, other health behaviours, you know, particularly diet. So, you know, talking about being on site at, you know, two, three in the morning, you've probably been awake for 20 plus hours if you're still awake at two, three in the morning. We've all probably been in that position where we get to that stage and we get hungry. And the only thing we can think about eating is Haribo or biscuits or brownies or, you know, it's like nothing else will satisfy the hunger that we've got but those things and there's a reason for that because our brains survive on sugar the only fuel source our brains are able to use is sugar um and ketones but that's another you know we're not going to talk about the keto diet for now um so and because our brains are so clever over the years when we've ever whenever we've eaten sugary foods our brains have recognized those foods so they realize that Haribo is a real quick source of energy for the brain. So it's like a feedback loop over the years where whenever we get mentally fatigued and tired, our brain will you know, tell us to crave sugar because it knows that it's a really good source of, um, of fuel for, the, for it. So it's a bit of a, like, it's, it's a, bit of a like, feedback loop from hell in, in many ways. Um, and we experience a lot of those in events, you know, um, and then that, you know, that impacts further on our, on our diet and, and then further on our sleep. Caffeine's another one. Caffeine, I've got to talk about caffeine. So the way caffeine works is throughout the day, when we, ex when we ex burn energy, we produce a substance called, a substance called adenosine, which is like a, like a byproduct of the chemical reaction that happens in our cells in order to produce energy. Adenosine then goes to the brain and it binds to receptors. And throughout the day, when those receptors get full up, it triggers us into feeling tired and then ultimately sleeping towards the end of the day. It's like a natural system help that allows us to like operate and go from wakefulness, producing energy, to then going back to sleep. And it triggers the right hormones at the right times and all stuff like that. So caffeine is basically the same in terms of its chemical structure as adenosine. So it binds to the receptors instead, which makes us feel alert. 
So when we're drinking caffeine all the time, we drink caffeine past what would be considered a healthy caffeine curfew. That prevents that kind of natural process of being ready for sleep from happening. Um, and then we wake up the next day and we're tired because we haven't slept properly, so we drink more caffeine. So it's another example of like this, this feedback loop from hell, that particularly in events we, we struggle with, but you know, not just events, but the corporate world in general can have quite an unhealthy relationship with coffee. But um, it doesn't mean to say caffeine's a bad thing. It's great. Like, it just needs to be used in the right way. Um, so what time would you say not to have caffeine after then um, so that it doesn't affect your sleep? Or I suppose, does that vary for each person? Yeah, definitely. It's almost, almost everything you talk about in terms of science and the human body has, should be caveated with sub, it's subjective because everyone's an individual and everyone has different genes and you know, it's, it's, it is very subjective. The, the way that you need to look at it is work, you have to work it out for yourself. You have to be an expert in your own biology if you can. And you can only do that by paying attention. Um, personally, I know that if I drink caffeine after one o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to affect my sleep. I've just worked that out for myself. And that can be affected, but you know, that can be influenced by how much exercise I have and how much water I drink and lots of other kind of contributing factors. But generally, as a rule of thumb, I won't drink caffeine after one o'clock mm. unless I know I need, you know, because sometimes I know I'm going to need to be awake until four in the morning setting up an event. And in, in those circumstances, maybe I will use caffeine as a tool to keep me alert. But, um, but I know that that's a compromise I'm making on that particular day to achieve a certain thing. Um, and it's just about not doing these things mindlessly um, and, you know, not thinking about the consequences. The consequences are there. And as once we're aware, aware of them, at least we can make an informed choice that, look, if I do this, there's going to be a compromise being made for perhaps my sleep and perhaps my health for this particular day. But I'm doing it because I know that this is an important, important, an important event and I need to get this thing done. So that's fine. Um, but a lot of the time we just kind of go through things and we don't really think about it and we don't, we don't really know how, what effect it's having on us. Um, yeah. It's so about it's been, that's, sorry, go on, Mark. No, no, it's the Yeah, I was going to say, it's about, it's about that self-awareness, isn't it? Because it will affect different people in different ways. I mean, I, I don't drink caffeine at all. Everything I drink is decaf as much as possible because obviously it will affect my bipolar, having to manage that. So that's one of the, the self-care practices that I have that I don't drink it at all. It's different for different people and it's also important that the body reduces the level of caffeine in a similar way to how it does with alcohol. Yeah. So the, the different levels will, will taper off during the day. So it really depends. That kind of time that you shouldn't be. It, it's any time, mid-afternoon really. But it depends on how much caffeine you consume in the earlier part of the day as well in terms of how long it will take your body to, to get it out of your system, if yeah. that makes sense. In a very similar way to alcohol. So it's like you're kind of saying don't touch alcohol after within certain things but you know that doesn't mean to go out and go on a bender and then drink two three bottles of wine and expect you to feel fine and be able to drive your car or something like that eight o'clock in the morning it's a kind of similar way of, of how that works yeah um yeah and it's important as well i think to to think about sleep and obviously someone with with bipolar sleep is a massive massive um influencer in terms of my mood because um, sleep does 
influence mood not just in people with bipolar but but everybody the, the the quality and the level of sleep that you get will will impact how you feel the next day so that can sometimes be a really really good indicator um, of whether or not you're getting enough sleep because the guideline is about six to eight hours um, everybody is different we all need different levels and amounts of sleep but it, it's all it's more about the quality of the sleep and the amount of regenerative sleep um, that you get so those levels of deep and rem and, and light sleep um, which is quite interesting if you if anybody has a device if anybody's listening to this and you have a device they have like a fitbit or a garmin or an apple watch anything like that that will give you quite um quite detailed data and analytics in terms of the quality of sleep that you're getting so do kind of if you've got that as a as a device and you've got the ability to look at that then then do use it because it can be really really helpful um but yeah it, it's important in terms of thinking about how it does impact in a mood because I, I it can be a decider for whether i'm feeling manic or whether i'm feeling down or depressed or whether i'm in my middle as i call it um which is for me is that that nice comfortable feeling place where I feel I feel good and I feel all right and I'm not feeling a little bit over the edge either way yeah. um so it's a massive impact on me if I if I, I'm not getting good sleep 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 deprivation directly impacts the executive function of the brain so the prefrontal cortex is basically the adult part of the brain which is you know it's where we make considered decisions it's where like logic and uh, adult decision making happens so we consider things like how will my boss react if I tell him that I haven't done my work and how will he react if or she react if I turn up late and it thinks about things like that whereas the, the sort of reptilian part of the brain which is like the survival part of the brain hypothalamus is more responsible for just keeping us alive it, it, it cares about where we get our next meal from where we can find shelter, you know, what dangers there are in our environments. It doesn't really care about other people's emotions. Yeah. Um, and it's where our homeostatic functions are as well, isn't it? So sleep is actually a homeostatic function in the body. You don't have to learn to sleep. You just naturally sleep. It's one of, yeah. it's one of those things we don't have to learn. So it sits yeah. in that. Yeah, exactly. Reptilian. And, yeah. So when, when we are sleep deprived, the reptilian part of the brain takes over a lot of our decision making. So if the part of the brain that's in charge of making our decisions is the part of the brain that doesn't care about other people and it just cares about keeping you alive, you're going to be in a bad mood. You know, you're not going to react to things as well as you would mm. if you're well slept and you know, you're well rested and the prefrontal cortex is in charge of making the decisions because essentially the prefrontal cortex is the adult in the room. It's like, it's the thing that goes, okay, I'm, I'm feeling these emotions because something's happened in my environment, but I don't have to behave you know, I don't have to react. It allows us to respond to things rather than react to things. Um, and so like that. You know, that there, is a, there is a direct uh, link between being sleep deprived and, and being in a... Well, you know, I mean, we all know, don't we, how we can feel one evening about something, you know, we'll go to bed and we could be frustrated about something, something can be really irritating us. And then we wake up in the morning and you think, oh, why was I so bothered by that? You know, yes. and it has, it. you know, sleep has has such a huge play in in the emotions and how you then react to situations mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's probably the single thing that affects our uh, hormones. The single biggest thing that affects our hormones, more so than diet, more so than exercise um, sleep. Got, you know, there was a study actually from, uh, I think it was the University of Chicago, uh, and they demonstrated that one night of sleep deprivation can make people as insulin resistant as a type two, type two diabetic. Wow. Um, so you can literally be diagnosed with pre-diabetes just from not sleeping one night and then go, wow. you, know, you end up in the doctor's on the wrong day and you haven't, you haven't slept the night before. You could be like, wow. they could give you a, a pre, like a diagnosis of pre-diabetes just based on that. Obviously, you know, they'd probably get you to come in again. Um, but wow. you know, it's that, it's that big a deal. Um, mm. uh, and I think, like I said at the beginning, it's probably the thing that we underestimate the most in everything we do. Nothing, the thing, nothing happens while we're awake almost like, I mean, every single input you give the body while you're awake, whether it's exercise, whether you're learning a new program, whether you're doing a table plan, any input that you give the body that you then need to adapt to. You don't actually adapt until you've had a night's sleep. So, you know, if you go to the gym and you do a really hard workout, when you step out of the gym, you're less fit than when you went in. You're, you're, yeah. you're less healthy than when you went in. And then the adaptation takes place when you sleep. If you miss the sleep part, nothing happens. All those stimulus, all the stimuli that you gave the body in order to grow and, and become better and, and learn, it doesn't, it doesn't happen until you've had a night's sleep. Um, and that, that's, that's a physical thing, that's a, bio, that's, you know, that's a physiological thing, as well as like, so the other thing that we do is, while we sleep is we lay down this substance called myelin. Myelin is basically the, the tarmac for the roads um, that our, our, signal, our brain signals run along. So like, if you imagine the, the brain signals are like cars, then myelin is the tarmac on a road. So it basically makes all the messages that our brain needs to send more effective when we, when we sleep. So like memories get transferred into, like we, we remember things when we sleep because of this process of like my, laying down myelin. Um, and if we don't sleep, then we don't remember, like those memories don't just don't get converted. Um, and you know, various, various other things, like all, basically all the physiological processes that we rely on to grow happen while we sleep so but it's also a lot of cleansing elements as well isn't there so our, our brains build up and this is where there's there's been links with sleep deprivation lack of sleep to alzheimer's disease so if anybody who knows um, enough about alzheimer's disease look into it and read about it because it's really fascinating stuff it, it's you, you, the alzheimer's is is determined by plaques which build up in the brain and when we're sleeping it's almost like, um, and Rachel, our, our head of education, has talked about this as well, hasn't she, Mark? It, it's kind of, when we sleep, it's almost like you, you're giving your brain a bubble bath kind of stuff, and you're putting the soap in there, and you're cleaning away all of these plaques. Yeah. So when we're not having good quality sleep, and this is when, as well, we're talking about that, that real quality of sleep, so that regenerative sleep, where things are restored and cleaned, and the repair work that needs to happen within the body is happening. So when you have sleep deprivation, you're not having good quality sleep and those really, really important functions are not taking place. This is where it can lead to, I mean, you've mentioned the diabetes link, the dementia and Alzheimer's link because we're not 
effectively enough cleaning away plaques. I mean, it, it's yeah. not, there's, there's, it's a link to it. I don't think it's yeah, completely so, been proved. They're still researching, aren't they? Yeah. Massive. Well, to what you said, yeah, it's, it's an amazing point. So, obviously, Alzheimer's and dementia are the second leading causes of death in the UK. Mm. It's a pretty big deal. Um, and they, we've, we now know that the, the cause of Alzheimer's and dementia is basically the build-up of these things called amyloid, amyloid plaques in the brain. Um, and what, the reason why what you were saying is so important is that we have this system, the brain has this system called the glymphatic system, which is basically the, the system that detoxes the brain. Like it, it removes waste products um, physically and the, these waste products are called amyloid plaques a lot of the time. Um, so they build up during the day and then when we sleep, this the glymphatic system basically switches on and it's 10 times more active while we sleep than when we're awake. So if we miss it, if we don't sleep, these plaques aren't, we're not giving the brain what you refer to as kind of that bubble bar. Um, and the glymphatic system basically is responsible for removing all these waste products, these plaques from the brain every night so that we can wake up and you know we're refreshed. The, the, the idea of brain fog, that's what this company, if you've ever said, oh, I've got brain fog, so I'm really tired, like, this is all, it's all linked to this. Um, and so, yeah, you know, for that reason alone, if, if, not, if for nothing else, you drastically reduce your chances of developing things like uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, and the, the number one leading risk factor for developing those diseases is chronic sleep deprivation. Um, yeah. And also, just to, just to add to that, Many of you might have heard of these things called telomeres. Essentially, telomeres are the, the ends of our DNA. So they're like the little plastic bits on the end of shoelaces. They keep our DNA intact. Mm -hmm. They keep it like wrapped up really nicely. And biologically, the, the length of our telomeres is the number one indicator of how long we've got left to live, basically. So the longer our telomeres are, the, the younger we are, effectively. So the shorter they get, the, the closer we are to developing sort of age-related diseases. And uh, telomere length, again, is directly linked to sleep deprivation. So, you know, people that are chronically sleep-deprived generally have low, shorter telomeres. So, um, just lots of, like, really interesting little indicators that sleep's very, very important. Um, mm. and underestimated. So important. So important. As, as, as important as, as eating drinking water all the it, it is so important so there's a reason it's one of the three pillars of health isn't it at the end of the day a very very important reason and it, it's fascinating when you look into it in in, in more depth yeah researching and reading about it there's a brilliant book isn't it i think have you read it as well mark from matthew walker so professor matthew walker why we sleep yeah um, i've got that yeah i've got that book i've got it on an audio book actually um the one the first one i read was sleep smarter it's very similar stuff. I mean, why we say it's more, more in depth, it's probably a, a harder read, but there's more information. Um, Sleep Smart is a bit, it's probably a better in entry level book if you're just getting started. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But if anybody wants to start, it, it's basically just, you know what, pick yourself up a book, read into this, read about why it's so important, the, the functionality behind it, the biology and the science and stuff behind it, because there's a reason why we sleep. You know, yeah. it's really important maybe have it as your your bedtime book 
so make it get create a new habit to to buy a, a book on sleep and and have it as a reading material to, before you drop off <laughs> asleep. all this talk about sleep is making me sleepy <laughs> Yeah. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. You mentioned um, the three pillars of health. I think the the way that I would think about it is imagine the, imagine sleep. So when we say three pillars of health, of health, we're talking about sleep, nutrition, and exercise mm. or movement. And I imagine them as like a three legged stool. So we're talking about which one's more important. The the one that's more important is the one you're not doing effectively. Yeah. And the reason that I like to talk about sleep is because I think most people underestimate sleep compared to how they see exercise and nutrition. You know, everyone kind of recognizes, oh, they're all, people are always talking about having a better diet and, you know, doing a bit more exercise. But we, we don't talk about getting better sleep as often, and we're starting to now. But if you imagine it as like a three-legged stool, if you're not taking care of it, if one of those legs is removed, the whole thing just falls over. And that, that's kind of the way to look at it. It's like they're all important. They're all yeah. absolutely vital. Uh, and the other thing work as well without one of them. So, mm. um, so yeah, that's how I have it in mind. I love that. That's a really, really good analogy. like that a lot. And a great, a great one to finish off as well. So we've come to the end. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Mark's, Mark's our, our sleep guru, we like to call him at Eventwell. everything he's so knowledgeable it's incredible (laughs) yeah we could we could listen to you all day mark we really could we could (laughs) um but that's it thanks for everyone who's tuned in thanks for listening we'll be back next week so make sure you tune in thanks mark thanks thank you